Hello, my name is Larry Lannon, the writer behind the local Fishers Indiana news blog, LarryInFishers.com. I started the blog in January of 2012, and it is still going. Four years after that, in 2016, I started the LarryInFishers.com podcast series featuring guests of local interest. That podcast is still going strong. Now, if you like the podcast and are listening on a platform such as iTunes, I'll just take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. It's time now for the latest LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers in the AV room downstairs, the Ignite Space. If you'd like to visit the Ignite Space, come to the library when it's open. Any of the librarians here would be more than happy to show you around. There's much to offer. Today we're going to talk about the Recovery Cafe. It is opened here in Fishers, and we have... uh, Joy Lynn. Joy Lynn Foley is the executive director of the Recovery Cafe of Hamilton County. And I also have Brian Beasley, the associate executive director for the same operation, Recovery Cafe of Hamilton County. To both of you, thank you very much uh, for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to meet you. Good to see you. And you have uh, a very important new operation here in Fishers. So I I do what I always do. Thank goodness for the Internet. I checked your website. Website, the first thing I did when I uh, was preparing for this. And on your webpage, right at the very top as you get on, the first thing you see is the following statement. Providing a safe and all-accepting place where everyone can begin to heal. So I'll ask Jory Lynn to start. Tell us what that means. Yeah, so um, what that means is um, we're a community center, um, and we really are open to anybody that's that's needing connection or community. Um, definitely the the majority of the our members um, will probably be people that are struggling with addiction, possibly mental illness. Um, there are people, you know, anybody that's suffering from homelessness or domestic violence or any situation, but we really want to invite um, a cross-section of, of everybody. That's part of why this model works so well. So it's, it's really open to anybody that's wanting to come. So talk about that model, Brian. Uh, this is a, not the only recovery cafe. There are several of them. Uh, explain the whole concept behind a recovery cafe. Yeah, so the the model is essentially just the the radical acceptance and and um, of just everyone in whatever they deem that they're in recovery from, um, like Joylyn was saying, um, and it, it includes just um, peer led recovery circles um, where you know members will get to get to know each other in the circles that they are um, attending. They can talk through their recovery and what they're comfortable with. Um, and then also, aside from the circles, we include like warm meals um, every time we're open. So we're going to not just have just, you know, sandwiches. It'll be a warm meal every time we're open. Um, and we'll have events and games and community where everyone, aside from the recovery circle, they can just go and experience just people in a comfortable cafe style place. And Joy Lynn, uh, okay, I'll hit another quotation I found on your webpage. Everyone is recovering 
from something. I, I, if you sit down and think about that, at, at least at some point in everybody's life, that is true of all of us. That's right. Um, I'm personally somebody that's in recovery from um, addiction, and I'm in um, yeah long-term recovery. And it it is interesting. Um, you know, I work with. Um, I now am a recovery coach and an internal family systems practitioner. So I work with people that are struggling, and whether it be from a substance, or you know, whether it be trying to heal from anger or over shopping or, you know, everybody really is recovering from something. So that's, again, why we just are open and wanting to invite anybody to come. I mean, that's amazing. You know, I have known a lot of nonprofits that specialize in treating people for addiction or treating people who are, you know, have been battered in some way in their personal relationships, mental health, you know, and all those sorts of things. But, but Brian, your organization has provided a very wide definition of recovery. So I've got to believe that part of what you do is not, obviously you can't treat everybody right there, but are you sort of a clearinghouse to get people what they need wherever they need to go? Yeah, so we're very much a resource hub, um, and we want to have warm handoffs to you know resources in the community. Um, so a big part of what we do is reach out to resources that our members are asking for. Um, so we are doing a lot of like pre-work in the major like mental health and addiction resources we can find. But when our members start coming in, a big part of our job is also just listening and hearing what people are asking for or saying they need. And we're not so much there to give advice, but you know, more so just a, a listening ear, um, a warm community center, and a warm handoff to resources that they need. You know, uh, Joy Lynn, uh, City of Fishers has had an ongoing mental health initiative. Really, when Scott Vandas took over as mayor, actually before he took over as mayor, he was talking to me about this. And it continues to this day. He started it in 2015. And, and one thing I found going to some of the meetings as they were organizing this, all the different uh, components of city government and other Stakeholders, that's the word we would use, other people who, would, who would, would be involved in that. And they're, they've worked with community health and some other people. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is that what a lot of people found is that those with mental health issues had resources out there, but they could not always find them. How do you get involved with the people who come to your organization looking for help? Is that part of what you do? Absolutely. And that's so true. Um, you know, people that are struggling, uh, it may be that it's difficult for them to find these resources, or it may be that they're in such a situation that they truly um, need some support in helping themselves get to these, um, you know, get to these resources. Because when you're kind of um, at your lowest point, it's difficult um, at times to really be resourceful um and that's that is what we're there to to help with so um and you know with mental illness it's definitely co-occurring with with substance use so um those things really go hand in hand and we um have great partnerships we're building great partnerships with people and um you know the community of fishers um for instance aspire you know, is, a, is an excellent place um, where they really have wraparound care. And um, we can, after people are able to spend time with us and, um, you know, get connected, they can then get the services that they're needing. Um, so that's a wonderful option. 
You know, Brian, I, I don't think there's a family in the world that hasn't been impacted with one of these things, mental health, addiction, abuse, uh, brushes with the criminal justice system. You know, I've had someone very close to me struggle with that for years. And I, what I find interesting is that you have put all this together because I, and the reason I think that's important, and Joy Lynn already talked about that. I want you to talk a bit about this. Because sometimes if you have an addiction problem, could be that that's tied to depression or some other mental health issue that perhaps has gone untreated. And with all that together, you might have a brush with the criminal justice system and somebody needs to help you with that. I know that families sometimes when, when there's someone that is struggling with this, having been through this myself, you don't know where to turn. You know, there, there, there are people out there to help. And a lot of those organizations are struggling to just to help the people they already have, taking on new people's difficult. So talk to me about what happens if I'm a family member and I go to Recovery Cafe and I say, you know, I've got a brother, I've got a sister, a child, even a parent that's struggling with this. What do I do? Can you give them some advice? Um, we certainly will be able to provide, like, solicited advice. Um, you know, we're going to – have a lot of experience with just um, our members and just listening and talking and also just talking to these resources. Um, but a lot of that advice um, will probably be um, referrals. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, you know, uh, a big part of what we do, again, like I said, is just it's listening. So hearing people just talk about the things they need and um, letting them get it all out without interrupting. Sometimes someone will say they need this and you immediately go to just refer them or um, give them advice to that one statement. And when you hear people talk a lot more, you kind of get down to a little more core um, issues at that. So sometimes just listening to the full story um, and those warm handoffs to what we believe could help them um, or what they think could help themselves. And we'll have a list of those resources um, and you're, you were mentioning, like, the, the post-incarcerated individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, we are working hand-in-hand -hand with, like, the Hamilton County Jail as well. So um, I feel like we're in a really unique position as a resource hub that we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of the people at these resources without um, kind of the struggles that someone trying to find, like, if they can afford it or if they're eligible for that. You know, we, we get to find out the full list of what they can do, how they can help, um, and sometimes – Connecting some of those pieces together is really what we do as well. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure you've dealt with this. I'm having had a loved one who has had brushes with this, just navigating the probation system, right. you know, is difficult. And you'll have a judge telling you, well, I'm not going to charge you for anything. You're, you have no money. And then you find out that, okay, you want to put one of those locator bracelets on. All of a sudden, they start charging you, and, and you know things get very complicated. So, Joy Lynn, I mean, I know that's probably part of what. And again, I think going what to Brian, what to Brian just said, I, I wouldn't downplay the fact that you're doing referrals and listening. That's such an important part of this, Absolutely. and and because people who are in need are the family members who are helping them. They don't know where to go, and you would be a big help to listen and find out where the best referral might be. That's right. We definitely uh, could be. And, and also, I, I want to kind of circle back to even family members. Um, 
you know, family members are struggling just as much as the people that are struggling with addiction or mental illness. So um, we are there to support them as well. You know, they can become members, they can volunteer, and um, and people really get a lot out of that. There's a lot of healing that comes with that. Um, so, but yes, then we can help them to navigate, um, you know, what is it that, that you're needing? You know, maybe you're just needing support for your family because sometimes somebody that's in the midst of addiction isn't quite ready. They're in the contemplation stage or they're just not there yet. And um, so we can support, you know, whoever it is that's wanting to come. Um, if, if, you know, they invite their family member to just, you know, check us out, they can do that. And there's no, you know, obligation. Um, it's a... Uh, just a, it's a free membership if you're wanting to become a member, and what that means is, you um, you know, like you said, you attend the, the recovery circle. You're drug and alcohol free for 24 hours, and um, that you kind of give back in some way to the recovery cafe. So whether that be like wiping down a pay table or just so that you feel like you're part of the community. Um, so there's there's really um, room and space for the entire kind of you know system the family system at the recovery cafe you know brian i one thing i learned again having been a family member and having a family member involved with this is the pull that the strong pull of addiction or the depths of mental health issues or it's hard for those of us that have never experienced that to understand and i'm sure when you say you sit down and listen I'm sure you have heard many stories about how people ended up in addiction and how difficult it is to get out of it. Yeah, and you you find there's a there's a stigma. Uh, you know, some people will just say, "Well, just just quit," or you know, "How'd you get in that?" And you know, you do find, like you said, these stories. You know, it's they're so relatable. It, it really could be anyone in anyone's shoes. Um, sometimes it's circumstance. Sometimes it's environment. Um, it. I find it rare that people are just choosing like that they want to do this or want to continue doing it. You know, it could have been a choice at first and who knows. Again, just that radical acceptance and, you know, very non-biased just ear is um, proven just to be like really beneficial. Um, you know, some sometimes like, and I know I'm guilty of this as a dad too, you know, my child will come up to me and be like, oh, like this is what's going on. And it's like, oh, like, well, this is what happened. And then, you know, as you listen, it's like, oh, actually, I didn't get the full story, you know. Um, and that's the, that's the same for just hearing people in recovery or in, you know, any sort of conversation. Honestly, you find you just listen and get the full story and maybe a few probing questions, but not like not a leading question. You know, sometimes it's just good to be curious also instead of assum like assuming what's going on. For, that's a very good point. And the actual listening is just that, not leading people on or putting, listening to what their story is. And Joy Lynn, you did mention that you've had your own struggle with addiction. How does that impact your approach to this job? I would say it impacts it quite a bit um, because I, I do feel like I, I really get, um, you know, being on the other side. Um, I'm not just somebody that... Uh, has heard about addiction or, you know, has seen addiction, I've, I've really experienced it and, you know, and the pain involved and, you know, um, that we have different parts of us, you know, that there's a part of us that 
absolutely wants to quit and knows that, you know, life is just like really going down the tubes, right? And then there's this other part that just can't imagine quitting because of how it's serving us in whatever way, whether it's numbing feelings or, um, you know, helping us to forget about past traumas. So I'm very, very passionate about um, the Recovery Cafe and what it can do and, um, you know, as of course, being a peer recovery coach and the and the other work that I do, I um, it's it's really exciting to me to help people find kind of their pathway of recovery. One of the models, one of the parts of our model is that really their um, all pathways of recovery are accepted. So a lot of the time, you might go to a place where you know they kind of have a firm belief that it should look a certain way. And um, what we want to do is, you know, what's working for you, what's not working for you, and let's figure out and do more of what's working. And, you know, if you like it, we love it. And um, just really, um, I struggled to kind of find my pathway to recovery, and I just want people to know it's it's not a, um, you know, a, a character defect. It's just everybody's different, and we need to figure out what works for them. You know, Brian, I, I must tell you, I... When, my, when I had a family member struggling with this, I read a lot. And one thing I gleaned, and maybe things have changed in recent years, you tell me, but everyone has a different path to getting out of it. And whether it's a mental health issue or it's addiction or, the, or tied together, one author went through terrible depression, and he went through a crazy therapy of doing some art that pulled him out of it. And nobody could have imagined that that would, and that's what pulled him out of this deep depression. And he was fine after that. The point I'm trying to make is that this goes back to listening and referring because what we know, as I understand, tell me if there's new information on this, most of the medical science says everybody has a different way of pulling themselves out of it. You just have to find it. No, absolutely. And that's one of our mottos is just like all pathways to recovery. Um, and it, it kind of ties into that ideology in the sense that, you know, listening and hearing, um, you know, members talk about what would work for them. And they might not even know, which is another reason why we have many like activities. Uh, you know, we might have people come in and teach a painting class, as you, like you said, or, you know, like a finance class or something professional or something hobby related. Um, we really just try and just give people the opportunity to try many things. Um, you know, sometimes it's just finding a purpose, like giving back to the community. You know, maybe volunteering is something that helps them. You know, it, it's really hard to just say, like, this worked for me, this will work for you. Because that's, that's never really the case. It, it may, but we, we like to let people, you know, use their voice. And them finding their own pathway to recovery also is a very encouraging, motivational thing because it's it's their own you know they get to make it their own and um there there's a lot of benefit to that for sure joy lynn let me ask this uh, some say we have recovered from the covid pandemic some say we we're moving out of it you know we keep <laughs> thinking it's over and then things happen uh to tell us differently but has covid and its aftermath had any impact on the, your demand for service I can't speak to that for our cafe personally, but I do know, um, you know, I've been a part of the the Indie Cafe, and um, 
there was definitely like throughout the pandemic, um, and I know this isn't exactly what you're asking, but they, you know, they pivoted and and started to do virtual meetings, and they really wanted to continue serving people in need. So um, they've been. It's been a very successful. Um, uh, Cafe. It's the first one that started in in Indiana, and um, you know they started just before the pandemic, and then you know went into that, and and it's they've been really successful. So I would say that um, yeah, members are um, probably more in need of it because of you know with the pandemic came a lot of isolation, and um, you know we've noticed in Hamilton County that. With the pandemic, the the rate of um, uh, alcohol use disorder has gone up, and you know mental illness, um, kind of the the statistics on that have gone up. Uh, so, I think that we are. It seems like moving out of it, but we're still, you know, certainly dealing with the aftermath of of what the pandemic caused. Yeah, I think there are different ways to look at that, Joylene, because one of it is how you deliver service. If you're not able to bring people physically together because it's too dangerous, the pandemic going around, and there's the other part of it is, you know, has that impacted people's mental health, addiction issues, and so forth. But Brian, I want to say something to you because I, well, uh, I'm retired. I've been retired for gosh, I guess it's 11 years now. Uh, I had a 28-year federal government uh, career, and I was a journalist before that. But the reason I'm telling you all this is that I was a manager of a federal government office. And we were asked to come to a special uh, event that they have in uh, downtown Indianapolis, I think at least once a year. And it's really to serve homeless people. They go to the convention center. Some of them get haircuts. They had people from the Consumer Protection Office of the Attorney General. I mean, and we were there to help them with their taxes. Hmm. First thing that <laughs> some of the people came over and said, they just, uh, people haven't come over to see you, but have, they think that maybe you're going to arrest them. <laughs> so I had to uh, put everybody's mind. I have no arrest powers. <laughs> Absolutely. My employee working with me has no arrest. We're not arresting anyone. <laughs> but some of these people, uh, the, there are two things. They're number one, their homelessness probably, some of them, they're all different, but some of them had severe economic issues. And we would go back, and, and that would have been ways because they were so poor that we could wipe their uh, tax debt out, at least temporarily, to get them back on their feet, for example. Uh, but what this experience gave me a chance to do was exactly what you have been talking about. Listen to their stories. And they all have a story. If you're homeless, there's a story behind that. And I think we need to recognize, I had this discussion with the people at the uh, nonprofit, the HAND, the people who deal with housing in Hamilton County. Um, we have homeless people in Hamilton County. They're not on the, the square in Noblesville or downtown Fishers, but we have homeless people. You have seen that, I'm sure. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wish I could remember the pizza place and give them a shout-out. But on Instagram just last week, I, I wanted – I think it was Marco's Pizza – but I, I can I can send it to you later and correct it. But um, they there was a gentleman staying in their parking lot, and they you know I did see that story. Yes, you, please tell that. Yeah. yeah, and so they they you know it's getting colder, and they put um, some stuff on the online on their website and raised some money for that gentleman. Got him a suit, got him an interview, um, some travel. But before all that happened, you know it's, it's it is getting colder, and he's staying by their you know in their parking lot in the back, and you know they they. 
they told the story about this gentleman and it was a, you know, it's, it's tough, but they're talking about, you know, his positivity and things that he's still like persevering. And, um, so it, it was very heartwarming and, you know, I, there was a big part of me that wished we were like more, you know, open cause you know, I want to open our doors and be like, Hey, come on down. We got food. And, um, we're, we're still trying to open, but, um, it was a beautiful story. So, I've been meaning to go down there and talk to them in the near future. I just forget which pizza place it was. That's a that's a terrific story. Anytime you know, once you find a, a, a person who's homeless, they have a story. Something happened to them. Usually, it's some catastrophic, personal, financial something. I I remember talking to one man, uh, Troy Lynn, in that in that experience. Uh, his wife had died, and he couldn't deal with life anymore. Mm. And you know, he yeah. just went out and lived on the streets, and you know. We did everything we could to help him, and I tried to get him to see some other people. That com- that convention center event was was really an experience for me. But the biggest part of it was hearing those stories that you hear all the time. And homelessness happens everywhere. We need to remember that. That's right. Um, there is kind of like you were uh, inferring. There, there are a lot of um, people that are homeless in Hamilton County. Um, they're not seen because. Um, fortunately, there we have some resources. Um, you know, I think um, the Good Samaritan Network, and I know that Hamilton County County Council on Alcohol and Other Drugs um, are involved with a lot of people in the community, where they're able to put them in hotels and things like that. But we really do have that issue, and I think that um, sometimes we we forget that we have it because it's not uh, it doesn't look as prevalent as perhaps downtown Indianapolis. You know, I, I've written about this for years, and we finally are going to get a, I don't know how you want it, uh, some people call it a battered women's shelter. There are other names you could use that are different than that. Uh, people who are the victims of abuse, for years, uh, those people were being sent out of the county. We didn't have a facility. Well, now I guess ground has been broken, and we have some people who can run the place. And uh, that that is a very positive thing because, as you know, Brian, uh, your your income level has nothing to do with the kind of abuse you may be dealing with at home. Absolutely, um, yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Like abuse, has, like there's no limits on it. You know, it's not there's not a certain type of person. There's not a certain type of income. Um, it happens where it happens. Um, so kind of ignoring, like, oh, I, I never would have thought that happened because you guys seemed like you're so happy or or like you, you make so much money. Why would that happen? Um, so just just having that radical acceptance again is like really important, and just just listening and believing stories, and not putting pressures on people because of their status. Or um, and I think that's a um, a bit of a stigma that they are trying to fight with, like mental health and all sorts of things in Hamilton County. It's like, there's a stigma where it's like, oh, we don't have many issues here because we try and look a certain way in Hamilton County, um, and that's just not the facts. It, you know, there's. Like Joylin is saying, there's mental health issues, there's addiction, there's, um, you know, abuse. And, again, I did see that also, that the, the women's that, – that facility for women in Noblesville is, is very exciting times. Well, I want to make sure we get to, to some very important issues. So Joy Lynn, if you know someone who might need your service, do you just walk in for help? Or, or do you screen people? Do you – explain how somebody can, can get some help from your organization. Yeah, so um, I, you know, they definitely can can walk in during our open hours at any point, and um, and we can assist them in that way. But of course, they can also call. Um, they can visit our website, um, and 
you know, we have kind of all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, that they could access us through. I put some of this in, in the show notes, but uh, Brian, how, how do you contact uh, Recovery Cafe? Yeah, um, so the uh, website would be www.recoverycafehc.com. Um, um, that would be the, like, the hub for everything. It'll send you everywhere you need to go with, like, our phone number, contact, email. Um, and then if you don't have access to those resources, um, as some may not, we will be located at um, Allisonville and um, 116th. When, when we do open, certainly just coming on in and talking to us. But um, – the, the website would be the, the best place to contact us. Do you have an opening date yet, uh, Joy Lynn? So, unfortunately, we have um, – renovations have kind of set us back a bit. Um, so we have um, some permits pending through the city of Fishers. And it we're expecting to be open in the next um, probably six to eight weeks. But, I, I you know, it's – it's again depending on when we receive the permits back. And so you're estimating January, February would neighborhood. Yes. And uh, it'll be right on 116th Street, uh, just west of Allisonville Road, correct? Yes. In the old Eller Building, which most people know where where that is if you've lived in Fishers for any uh, amount of time. Now, uh, are you a 501c3 organization? Uh, so we're applying for our 501c3 right now. We are under. We have a fiscal sponsor, which is We Bloom, and they are, um, you know, great supporters of um, the all of the recovery cafes in Indiana. They're the Midwest region catalyst for um, the recovery cafes. We. Um, you know, it may be surprising to hear, but there are actually we're the 15th recovery cafe in Indiana, and then there are more in the pipeline. Um, there are also discovery cafes that have launched, which are for youth. Um, so, yeah, they, we're very fortunate to have We Bloom um, supporting us right now. So you're applying for your own 501c3 status, and you're waiting for that. I know that doesn't come immediately. That that's a it takes it's a long process to get that done. But if uh, and I know it's harder under the new tax laws to be able to uh, take a tax deduction for a, a contribution. Can someone take a tax deduction contributing to you now as you're pending that status? Absolutely. Okay. So what they would do, what we would, it would be through WeBloom, and okay. but we could certainly provide all of that information. That's a a great point. You know, we we do completely rely on the community for funding. So um, the. Division of um, Mental Health and Addiction has helped us quite a bit, and also the Recovery Cafe Network has helped us with some seed money, but uh, we definitely rely on um, our community for contributions and donations to keep our members served. And your website does have a donation uh, option, so if you want to donate online, I see you've had some. I looked at it uh, before we recorded this, and you've already had some donations online, so you're at least getting out to a start here, which is very good. Last thing, anything uh, you would like people to know about Recovery Cafe that we did not get the chance to uh, talk about in this conversation? Joy Lynn. Um, I think just to kind of, um, you know, I guess remind people that um, a lot of the time, even people that are justice involved or maybe are coming out of a, a rehabilitation center, you know, they um, they really are able to get some stability 
when they're in those places. And then, you know, what the cafe does is we're, we're just that gap because that stability kind of drops off once they're either released or, you know, they, they get out of their program. Um, and it's, it's very difficult and it can be really tumultuous. So just to kind of remind people that, you know, that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to fill in that gap. And it's really an indefinite service. They're, they're able to come for as long as they want to and need to. And then we have found that many people become real leaders in the community um, because of the support. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, having that support is, and you know this, having been through this, just how important that is. Brian, anything you'd like people to know? Um, just when we open, uh, come on down and share your story. Or if you want to volunteer, definitely email us, contact us. Um, if you want to listen to people's stories, um, we would love to have everyone. So. Okay, the Recovery Cafe will be at the uh, the old Eller building uh, just west of Allisonville Road on 116th Street. I think it's close to the Kroger. That That's when <laughs> landmark people know. And the that, Starbucks. And this, Well, there's a Starbucks right next door. So that's, that's the second bedroom. <laughs> of course, I'm sure you're not unhappy about the fact that you're going to have a Starbucks right next door. It's, a very, it's a very busy one, by the way. Yes. I've, I've been to it a few times. So uh, I want to just thank uh, both of you. Uh, Joy Lynn Foley, you're the executive director for the Recovery Cafe of Hamilton County. And Brian Beasley is the associate executive director for the same organization. Uh, we're recording this uh, in mid-December, but you are projecting that this Operation will be open in Fishers uh, probably January, February timeline. So we'll look for that. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. This yeah. has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you'd like to comment on my blog, please do so with any suggestions. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. <laughs>